This is Cam Slater, and you're listening to Dirty Politics. Welcome to the Dirty Politics podcast. With me again is Simon Lusk, and tonight we are going to unpack the hit job that was done on Materia Touré and look at that from a political insider's point of view. Simon. Oh, it was an absolutely beautiful hit job. It was something that's an absolute work of art. Um, you've really got to admire the, the guys in Labour that put it on. Um, just disappointing that they didn't get the credit for it. So, so why did you think that? It's it's my belief, and it's your belief too, that Labour are the ones that actually put this hit job on. But, but Materia Toure opened this up by talking about fraud, and then grabbing a large chunk in a in one poll uh, that was a little bit premature, uh, but it scared the Labour Party sig- significantly. Uh, why do you think that the Labour Party decided that that they needed to essentially nobble? and, if possible, destroy their potential coalition partner? Well, there's not much point in having a coalition partner if you can have all their votes, and I think it, it may have even gone back before that. I mean, there, there were rumours that Toure was was um, smoked out and was forced to talk about her welfare stuff because some of the background people in Labour um, knew all about it and were going to release the stuff to the media to damage her during the election campaign. So you're telling me that Labor knew that Materia Toure was a liar and a fraudster? I'm pretty sure they did. Um, they certainly did after um, she gave the speech, but I think that they, they knew beforehand. In which case, this is a pretty awesome weapons-grade level of dirty politics that's at play here. Oh, it's way better than anything else that's happened this term. I'm, I just, yeah, I'm in absolute admiration of the, the guys that put it on. Well, it makes Bill English's hit job on Todd Barclay look amateur by comparison. Well, yeah, that's just Bill English. I mean, Labor's just way better at this kind of stuff. Mm. So why were Labor pissed off with the Greens? Well, they, they pissed off with them because they don't like them, and we've discussed why they don't like them in an earlier podcast. They're actually the Greens... Uh, pack of useless bludgers who don't do any constituent work. Um, but Labour also wanted to get some votes back and put themselves in a position where they could govern. And, and the idea of a three-party government with the Greens having a major role just is, is not tenable. There's no way that was going to happen. So Labour really wanted those votes back. Um, it was quite calculated, though, but they had to line up getting Andrew Little first because I don't think the plan would have worked had he been the leader. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, it, it, yeah, potentially it just would have lowered the turnout, but I don't think that they were planning to nail Little in the way that they do. I, I tend to believe um, Jacinda when she was saying that she wasn't uh, agitating for it. I think that Little created an environment of failure and it made it easy to push him when, when he um, showed weakness, but I don't think that it was a plot. I, I just don't believe that... Labour really wanted to go after Little that much. So it was a happy coincidence then? Yeah, I think they, they took advantage of a, um, of an opportunity to push a guy that was uh, taking them to an appalling election result. Right, so let's analyse this hit job. We know that Labour doesn't like the Greens. They think they're stealing their votes and they think that those votes belong only to the Labour Party. They don't like working with them because they're lazy and they don't do any constituency work. And they also knew that Toure was lying about her past when she came out with this fraud thing. 
But why did she come out with that fraud thing? Was there pressure on her to come out? Yeah, I, I, I believe that, that she'd heard that Labor were digging around behind the scenes and um, we know the people that did it. And if, if they uh, were involved, we'd expect they would have found stuff out because they're bloody good at what they do. So they leaked a little bit to Materia Toure via some, some green associates to say, hey, you better front foot this. She, yep. she Knowing full well that her total arrogance and hubris would would she would over egg it and that James Shaw would uh back her to the hilt. That was the setup to get her to admit it. Yeah, although I I, I think that they'd be surprised at how stupid she was in um in making claims that they knew that they could prove were wrong. Um but that often happens in politics. It's the the cover up and the spin that does you in rather than the original sin. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. She stood there and announced that she had committed fraud, then constructed a story around that. But in doing so, she took a righteous and smug approach, what I call the shield of sanctimony. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. The Greens uh, believe that, that they're right on everything and everyone else is, is just needs a bit more education and that they're very sanctimonious and, and they're unpleasant to work with and you know they, they're just not... Um, a party that we can take particularly seriously because of it. And Labour knows this because they've tried working with them before. So they they set her up to, or faked her out to reveal this. Then what happened? What's your belief what happened next? After she'd announced this in a, in a, in a cloud of smug, uh, thinking she was protected by the green shield of sanctimony, what happened next, Simon? Well, she lied, and she lied repeatedly about the, where she was living. The, the, um, we, we know the people that did all the digging of the, the and passing the information on to different people in the media, um, and they proved that she had lied about where she was um, uh, living and then where she was registered to vote. Um, they just kept drip-feeding information that was damaging to her. Well, well just on that voter fraud... That that was brought out by Jenna Lynch at News Hub. Now, the word around the press gallery is Jenna's not known for her work ethic or or her investigative abilities. That to me looked like a classic case of somebody else doing the work, handing a package to a media to a useful person in the media who then uh, compounded the fraud thing. Yeah, and just kept the story going, and and it, uh, I'm sure that it highlighted the um, the fact that Toure had run two election campaigns while she was on the blush. But at the same time that was happening, I was getting photos from uh, sources, some anonymous, some I knew. They were clearly Labour people that were involved in that, uh, and these photos were photos that contradicted the story of abject poverty that Materia Toure had told. Yep, and and made her look like she was the liar that she subsequently got proved to be. And then we moved from having flatmates to ours living with mum. Um, the next bit of information that came out immediately after the voter fraud was the location, the address, and property records show that that house was purchased by the father of the child. And that's the address that she uh, had on the electoral roll so that she could vote in a different electorate. It, it, but that house is a really nice house. It's not some squalid flat in South Auckland or a student um, accommodation. And it kind of proved the lie that she was living in, in abject poverty and that the child was going to be starving. 
this information, although it is publicly available, uh, had to have been known by people associated with Materia Toure back then, which which that gave me the impression this was a hit job that was coming and underway and in action and trying to get her to lie more. Is is that your feeling and what you were hearing from your sources? Yeah, definitely. And I think that that was the point that, that so you were starting to get given some of the photos and stuff to demonstrate that she had been lying and you know the, the people that were giving them to you weren't doing that so you could help Materia survive. What I found incredible was the breadth of the spreading of the information because I spoke to David Farrer. He said that he had received information. It's obvious that uh, John Campbell at Radio New Zealand had received information uh, and obviously News Hub were deeply involved. Other journalists that I spoke to said that they had other information uh, that was going to come out and it was only a matter of time before she resigned. Uh, that, again, indicates to me that there was quite a bit of research that was done on this, and they used her own arrogance to set it off and then uh, to to really ramp that pressure up. But, but when did the pressure come on? Was it after the polls, or was it uh, Jacinda taking a halfway house approach to the behaviour? Where do you think that the real pressure came on that was going to force Materia Toure out? I was surprised she lasted as long as she did and thought she must have a hell of a thick skin to be able to do so. Um, I think she was under huge pressure before Jacinda said that she couldn't be part of um, government. That was a point where I, I just I couldn't understand why um, Materia just didn't say, get stuffed, I'm going to be part of a government whether you like it or not, and if not, you're going to be in opposition. Um, but she took the worst possible approach, which was to to stay on as leader without um, and say I'm not going to be in in government after the election. It's just a, a crazy thing to do. It was neither one thing or, or another, and it just kept the story going for another few days. Showed weakness too, even though Jacinda wasn't going hard out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did show weakness from her and it showed that she was cracking. But even then, at that point, I thought she was just going to brazen it out. I thought that she had completely no shame at all and that she was just going to to uh, basically flip the bird at all the taxpayers and say, no, I wanted to have a conversation on welfare and we're having that conversation, so I win. Yeah, and, you know, that, that may have been her intent, but I just I don't believe it. Um and she did absorb a massive amount of pressure. She just kept absorbing it. And running her lines. I mean, you've got to admire her pig-headedness. And ultimately, it was her downfall, especially once additional pressure came on when a couple of MPs decided that they'd had enough of this. Uh, obviously, it was after two public polls showed that the Greens had taken a slaughtering. Um, but uh, we saw Kennedy Graham and David Clendon say that they could no longer be part of the caucus. And then it was an all-out war within the Greens, which I imagine has dropped them under 5% in the in internal polling. Yeah, it, it was just interesting that there were only two in that Green caucus that, that obviously knew right from wrong. And, you know, there, there was no excuse for what Toure did. Um, and she should have done... Um, she should have been paying money back before she broke the story. Um, and she should have been contrite, and she wasn't. And, and it was just interesting that only two out of that caucus actually did know right from wrong and, and wanted her to go. But prior to that, though, we had an interesting situation where 
a large number of female staff and female MPs stood behind Materia Toure when Barry Soper raised a perfectly valid question and was essentially hissed at and and shouted down by these people. I think I think that that was a turning point. That's when the media uh, got together on this and said, "Right, let's take her out." Is did you see that? And is that your impression that of that? No, that you saw? I, I don't pay that much attention to what the media are doing because most of the time they get it wrong. Um, I was listening to what was going on in the back room. Um, and I figured that it would go like some of the other hits that have been put mm. on. And, and mm. the media are, are useful idiots, but they're idiots nonetheless. Um, uh, and I don't think they would have been able to knock out Toure if it wasn't for the good good Labour hit that was being done behind the scenes by some very capable people. Well, that was creating the pressure. But I saw that and I thought, mm, you attack the media like that, gets game over. You're not going to get any positive publicity from now on in. And it, it turned out to be true. The, the media stopped running her lines and started to really dig. And I think this is where the nail in the coffin, to use a, a euphemism or a metaphor, come, comes in. Because we now know that Materia Ture wasn't uh, just on the DPB. And it wasn't just flatmates. It was family members that she was living with, in particular her mother, uh, but we also now know from the leaks that were made to Radio New Zealand, and, and I've got to say those leaks came to me too, but they started running them first. It turns out that they call it family members, but if you if you think about it, it can really only be the Hartley family that, that knows about this, uh, started telling the truth, that they'd been maligned, that they had let Materia Toure, the mother of, of Anne Hartley's grandchild, tell a story where they were portrayed as these, as heartless by omission, uh, that they weren't supporting this child and that if they hadn't, if if uh, Materia Ture hadn't committed a fraud, then the child would have starved to death. Yeah, and, and you know, that, that's just inconsistent with what people know of Anne Hartley. I mean, I, I know national MPs who hold her in high regard um, as a person, not necessarily for her politics, but she was um, a... a a genuinely lovely person and a very doting grandmother. Well, she used the grandchild, her grandchildren in election materials and talked about looking after them. And I think that's when that started to come out, then the pressure really built. Once Radio New Zealand started to um, ask questions, rather pointed questions, clearly with information about how much money had been paid over a four-year period, I believe, plus the photos that had been sent to Farah and myself and some other people, that uh, Materia Toure realised it was never going to end, that her lies were going to be revealed, the, fraud, the extent of the fraud was going to be revealed, and that her story was uh, had as many holes as a colander, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that that is why she went, and, and I inadvertently turned on Red Radio and was listening to it, um, and I was uh, not at all surprised it happened, um, but uh, it was interesting to see uh, here John Campbell, who is a pretty soft interviewer of left-wing people, was, was not letting her get away with very much. He's ostensibly a Green as well. Yeah, yeah. That surprised me that uh, John Campbell was being used as a conduit. I guess that made the hit harder because here's someone who's left-friendly, Green-friendly, uh, actually putting the knife in. 
But it, from where I was looking at it, I thought it was I was pretty impressed. I thought this is a very good, well executed hit job on Materia Toure. Then I started to ask myself, well, who benefits from this? Well, clearly not national. And you and I know they don't have the competence to be able to run a hit like that. Oh, no, no, definitely not. I'd worked out through all of this that it wasn't Winston. There was only one party that was left, and with the sources that were leaking to me, and when I checked with David Farah, the people who were leaking to him, and the media contacts I had, it was clear to me that it was Labour that was behind this. They're the only ones who have got the skill and the low rack cunning to be able to do this. Had your sources also been passing information to you from the because your sources in the Labour Party are way different from mine? Yeah, and and um, and also they're bloody good hit uh, people. They can put a good hit on, on if they need to. And and I'm, I was uh, convinced very early on that Labour were out to get her. And and I was um, you know if, if I had been in the Labour Party, I would have been out to get her too. But uh, they, they're just good at doing it. The real clincher for me, though, was when a, a, a very good source contacted me and said that David Parker had been saying that Materia Toure, and this is out loud in front of other people, uh, that Materia Toure uh, was a suicide bomber. And um, that that was the final clincher for me, that this was organised, executed and perfected by the Labour Party. Yeah, I think that when we talk about the Labour Party, it's people within Labour. Uh, it might not necessarily have been known by many people in caucus. It may have been known by some, but not all. But the the Labour Party is a big organisation with people that are aligned to it. And some of those people are the ones that were providing information to you and to the media. And, and we know them and we respect them for being bloody good in a knife fight. Well, they, they weren't, it's fair to say they weren't MPs. They're, they're backroom operators, the guys that we talk to quietly in the background when, when things need to be done. Mm. Um, and as I said at the start of this, this is a weapons-grade hit job. It's something to be admired. And it'd be really, really good if these Labour people actually got together and wrote a book about it because I, I'm thoroughly impressed by the whole thing. Yeah, just a fantastic piece of political theatre and... and absolutely brilliantly managed. But it beggars belief, though, why the media haven't come up with this, why they haven't worked it out for themselves. It's like they're almost like magpies. They're chasing the next shiny thing that distracts them. Yeah, well, a lot of them think that what matters is what goes on in Wellington, whereas, you know, if you don't live in Wellington, you, you really realise that what goes on in Wellington doesn't actually matter that much. Yeah, well, all the really good Labour knife people that I know live in Auckland. Well, some of them live out of the country now. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I hope that's been helpful for listeners to understand just the low rack cunning that exists within the Labour Party, that when they talk about national being dirty politics operators, that they have nothing, absolutely nothing, on the Labour Party when it comes to rinsing somebody and playing real dirty. And... Uh, Simon and I have looked at this and we've come to the conclusion that they're the best at it. Uh, so we wait, await Nicky Hager's book, don't we, Simon? Yeah, yeah, although he may not have the same sources we have in Labour and he may not admire them quite so much. No, well, he's a big Green supporter himself, as from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, well, probably also a sort of a, a misery guts poverty supporter. Um, 
which makes him in, in line with the back part of the, the Green Party. Well, never trust a man who wears a cardi is what I say. Yeah. yeah. All right, thanks, Simon, for coming on. No worries. And uh, we'll have to get David Farrer on to talk about the implications of the polling. Yeah, yeah, that'd be bloody good. I mean, if you need polling done, you want to get Farrer to do it. And he's uh, always worth talking to about polling. Kerry is the best pollster in New Zealand. That's my belief. Yeah, same here. And, and you know, what, what people don't know is that he's usually significantly cheaper than um, than the other commercial polling companies. And not only that, he is very, very good at giving you um, insight into what's going on behind the polls so you can understand what the results are better than what you would if you just get sent a report. Well, that's why we use him for insights polling. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Simon. We'll uh, okay. catch you at the next podcast. Great. Thanks.